0: You're listening to audio from Plank Harvest Church, located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at Um The
1: King James renders the the word donkey as ass. So if you hear me say that, I want to clear up, that's biblical. Okay? <laughs> Brother Mark read it, that's biblical. So, all right. Um, Amen. amen. So we often hear about people carrying people to Jesus. We hear um, about um, the man, the paralytic that was carried to Jesus couldn't get to Jesus, so they went up the outside steps onto the roof, tore the roof apart, and lowered him down to Jesus. But uh, in this story, we need to look at the carrying of Jesus to others that's what we'll see out of this story um often you know we talk about bringing people to jesus which which is an amazing thing and what we're commanded to do. but we want to look at this story it's um it's a story about Jesus being carried where he needs to go, so that's what we're going to look at God, if you look at his word, he has some some pretty good stories about donkeys Amen. he uh you see, when Job was restored, he was given a thousand donkeys. Can you imagine keeping up with a thousand donkeys? So he was given uh, cattle, given donkeys, and um, we see a couple of stories—one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament—that that shines a good picture on donkeys. But real quick, look at what the verses say. If um, if you look at verse two or verse one, I'm sorry it says, and when they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage, the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two of his disciples. Now, if you go down and look in verse 6, it says, and the disciples went and did just as Jesus had directed them. You see, those two words should always go together. If we, if Jesus sends us it should lead to our went if he if he sins if he sent, then it should automatically lead to our went. you know oftentimes back before I was a christian, I've been a christian since two thousand eight, and they had that those bracelets that said um what would jesus do w w j d but I think a better set of letters would be do what Jesus did. In other words, we can ask the question, well, what would Jesus do? And then we can walk it out in disobedience. But if we change those letters and we put do what Jesus did, then we look at Jesus as our pattern and as our model and as our method of ministry. And then we walk it out in obedience in what he tells us and commands us to do. So our sin, should always his scent should always lead to our wind. Okay, so that's the na- that's just the nature of the gospel. If you look at the all four gospels, there's some degree of the of the commissioning of his witnesses. We we have the most popular one in Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. You have uh, Mark 16:15. Go and preach the gospel to all creation. You have it in Luke. You have it in John. But then at the beginning of Acts, in the gospels, it's at the end. But in Acts, the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles, you have it at the beginning. It says, and when you receive, when power comes upon you, when you receive power, you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So his scent should always equal our wind. That's just the nature of the gospel. It goes forth to the nations. So let's let's look at this donkey. Let's look. Let's look. It's just a cameo appearance of this donkey. Uh, We want to, I think this is probably the most renowned donkey in history if we look at it at a close light. Um, It's donkey has become a, kind of a proverb, not a biblical proverb, but a proverb in our in our day and time. We call somebody a King James donkey at times. That's a proverb in this day and time. So this one, we don't always use this word in the light of what it should be. You know, if we look at this, it's... Um, it's a prominent story about this. First one, first prominent story we have about donkeys, is in the Old Testament. If you remember, it's in Numbers 22, 23, 24, 21. It's starting 21 goes through uh, where uh, Balaam is going to go and speak against God's people. Uh, he had been commissioned. Balak had had got him to go and commence or to speak against God's people. And we see he, he mounts up on a donkey, and the donkey does three things. Right. <laughs> First time it goes out into the field, Balak, or Balaam hits it, gets back on course. Second time, the donkey uh, rubs up against a wall, crushes his foot up against the wall, He beats the donkey again. It gets off the wall and back on the path. But what uh, Balaam can't see is the angel of the Lord standing there with his sword drawn. Well, the third time, the donkey just sets down. He beats it again, and then the donkey speaks to him. You see, this is one time where the donkey was way smarter than the prophet. He he could see things from God's point of view. And the angel of the Lord said, hey, if that donkey would have kept walking, I would have surely killed you because you had you was going to do something that was outside of God's will. So that's that's one prominent story that we see in the Old Testament finally Balaam come to his senses and got as smart as the donkey was. And then if we um if we look at this story, it's it's the most prominent story of donkeys in the New Testament. So let's look at it. First thing we want to see is a spiritual concept This donkey shows us a spiritual concept. And here's what it shows. Here's the first thing it shows. Jesus needs carriers to get where he wants to go. Jesus needs carriers to get where he wants to go. It says, um, if you look at this, it's just a, a, a... concept that Jesus needs carriers. And here's the first concept. The statement of Scripture supports this concept that Jesus needs carriers. Okay? The statement of Scripture supports the concept that Jesus needs carriers. Look what it says. Verse, um, if we look at verse 3, it says, and if anyone says something to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. And then verse 4. Now this took place that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. That word fulfilled, it's, if you look at it in the Greek language, it's major emphasis. In other words, that word fulfilled, the Holy Spirit shouts that word off the page. So... He wants to make sure, the Holy Spirit wants to make sure that we understand that this just isn't happenstance. You see, Scripture tells us that this is going to happen. It tells us this is a Scripture from the Old Testament, Zechariah 9, nine. So the concept is it has to happen. In other words, if the Old Testament says it and it's prophecy, then it has to happen. That word fulfilled just means to feel full. It takes a container of prophecy and this event fills that container full of fulfillment that this is going to happen. It says in verse 5, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you gentle and mounted upon a donkey, even upon a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. It's kind of strange language if we read it in, in the English. It, it makes it look like he was riding both of those animals, do not it? It says, gentle and mounted upon a donkey, even upon a colt. So it looks, in our English language makes it look like he's mounted on the donkey and on the colt. Like he's somehow circus riding. Like you put one foot on both of them, hold the rope in the middle, and going down through there. But that word even is the Greek word kai, K A I. It means or. It can be either or. So it don't have to be both of them. In the Greek, it can be rendered one or the other. So he's riding the the colt. So Jesus, if we look at this, the concept is that this statement of Scripture supports that we need carriers because the, the, the Word of God says so. It says that that's how he was going to ride into Jerusalem, so it simply had to happen. Here's the second thing: the symbols of Scripture support this concept also that Jesus needs car- carriers. If you'll look at John fifteen five, put John fifteen five in your notes if you're taking notes. So, the symbol of Scripture supports the concept that He needs carriers in John 15 we have some symbol some symbols that John uses to show our relationship with Jesus. Amen. He calls Jesus the vine and he calls us the branches. Now, if the vine is rightly, if the branch is rightly attached to the vine, then sap throws, flows from the vine through the branch and then you have the result is fruit. So that's the natural outcome of a healthy relationship between the vine and the branch. So he needs that relationship, the vine Jesus needs that relationship with us, the branch, to be a healthy relationship to where we abide in him and sap can flow through us and produce fruit. Scripture supports, (laughs) the symbols of Scripture support the idea that Jesus needs carriers, Amen. just like the sap, just like the va- the branch needs to be attached to the vine so the sap can flow and the natural outcome is fruit. And that word abide in John 15 is a command. It's an imperative in the Greek. In other words, our sole responsibility is to abide or stay attached to the vine So that life-giving sap can flow through us and thus produce fruit. That's the natural outcome. So, you see, Jesus had to ride on this donkey because Scripture supports it. The symbol of Scripture also supports that he needs carriers. He will work through us. The, The branch is what produces the fruit. The vine just gives the life. So... Fruits a natural outcome of a healthy relationship between the vine and the branch. He produces it, and we bear it. You see, he gives us just uh, an amazing bit of joy in this whole contract. If we stay attached to the vine, if we stay attached to Jesus, then fruit's the natural outcome of that. And he says the whole goal is is to bear much fruit, much fruit. Amen. So here's here's the third picture. The third picture is the church as a body supports the concept that Jesus needs carriers. If, if, you're, if you're looking at me, I mean, you can see my outer container. You can see my body. It's not great to look at, Thank you. (laughs) But, I mean, you really can't know about me. I mean, you can can look at me, you can look at my actions, but you can't really know what my thoughts are. You can't really know what my intentions are. All you can see is what I portray. So, our picture is a body of Christ. Supports the idea that he needs carriers. We're a vessel. We're called a vessel in the Scripture. Well, a vessel is just an empty container meant to be filled up to carry something from one place or another. So that would tell us, if I'm to be an empty container, what do I have to unfill myself with to fill up myself with Jesus? I have to unfill myself with myself and fill our, myself up with Jesus to carry him where he needs to go. So there was, there was a little girl that um, she went to Sunday school, and she's, she come home, and she talking to her mom, and she said, Mom, how big is God? She said, Oh, he's big, honey. I said, Is he bigger than me? She said, Yeah, he's bigger than you. She said, Was well, he bigger than this room? She said, yeah, honey, he's bigger than this room. Was he bigger than this house? Yeah, he's bigger than this house. Was he bigger than the world? Yeah, he's bigger than the world. He created the world. Well, Mom, if if Jesus is that big and he's inside of us, shouldn't he be busting out all over the place? It's a fair question. But is he? Am I filled with Jesus to the point where I'm unfilled with myself enough that he's busting out all over the place? Because he's depending on me and he's depending on you to be a carrier of him yes. We're to be an empty container. And if you think about it, just with our bodies, in mine there's not much, te- much intelligence above the neck, but a lot of people That all of us. That's where all the intelligence is. There's no intelligence below the neck. In other words, Christ is the head. We're the body and individual members of it. Well, if he tells me, hold that hand, if my brain tells me to hold my hand out and keep it there until it hears something else, it does what it's told. I have nerves running down to where that God's created, that God's designed, And I can leave my hand there, and it stays in that position if I'm healthy to where it don't move until my brain tells it to move again. It'll eventually tell it. You can go ahead and close it as a fist and just let it drop to your side. But oftentimes, whenever Jesus does that, what do we start doing? Jesus has left me still for a minute. I can't stand still. I want to help him out. I want to be the fourth person of the Trinity and help him out and give him a boost. Jesus, you're taking too long. Jesus, I don't want to stand still. Jesus, you may not understand what I'm telling you, Jesus. We need to move a little bit quicker on this. He's like, thank you very much. I didn't ask your opinion. (laughs) But that's what we try to do. But all the intelligence is above the neck, and he's the head. My my disciple told me he said, "Quit guessing at what God already knows to be fact. Amen. You're trying to guess at what God already knows is going to happen. Just just walk in obedience." Amen. You see, when when Satan was tempting Jesus in in the wilderness, Satan knows scripture. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be the the Greatest deceiver, you've also got to be a great theologian. He goes to church all the time, but he will not walk it out in obedience. Right. He wants his own glory, and he wants to be God, wants to be above God. So he needs us to rest in the fact that he is Lord. Amen. He needs the pic- the picture of his of his church in the Bible, supports the concept that he needs carriers. Last one. The saints of Christian history also support this fact that he needs carriers. Someone must carry Jesus where he needs to go. Um, Augustine, he was a great theologian, I think 300s, 400s, Aurelius Augustine. Here's what he said. He said, without God we cannot, true statement, without us he will not. Without God we cannot, without us he will not. There's another uh, early father of the church, early uh, Christian, Ignatius was his name. He changed his name to Christophorus, which means Christ carrier. When he converted to Christianity, he was put on trial for his conversion. He said, and one of the first questions they asked him was, how in the world could you dishonor your parents by changing your name from Ignatius to Christophorus? And he said, the the moment I was converted, I became a carrier of Christ. He got it. I mean, he changed his name all the way to the point where he wanted people to know that I'm now a Christ carrier. Well, what about us? What about us? So here's the question with this, with these um, concepts that we have to ask ourselves. Why doesn't Christ have carriers? I think the reason is most are not willing to get low enough for him to mount our lives. Most are not willing to get low enough for him to mount our lives and to be carried where he needs to go. So the first thing that we see out of this donkey story is the spiritual concepts. Here's the second thing. We see some spiritual characteristics. We see some spiritual characteristics. If you look at verse 5, it says, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, Gentle and mounted upon a donkey, even upon a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. So here's the first characteristic of a Christ carrier. is lowliness. Lowliness. We see this story, it's a donkey that Jesus rides. Not a horse. That would be a, a military animal that shows military power. Not a camel. A camel shows, um, uh, that's a merchant's animal, shows commerce, or not an Arabian horse. Those were bred to be in king's stables. But we see he's mounted, it says he's lowly and mounted on the foal of a beast of burden. Just a common, common donkey. It's called a poor man's horse. Here's the thing, and it is. The question is, any man is qualified as long as he's willing to get low enough. As long as he's willing to get low enough. Um, There was a saying that people often climb the ladder trying to get to God, trying to get up to God's level. And when they eventually run out of their own effort, they fall off and find out that God was there at the bottom with them all the time. I mean, you see the Tower of Babel. You see, um, oftentimes, we try to climb the ladder of success and realize it's leaned against the wrong wall. So God was down there waiting all along. We can try our own efforts. We can try everything. And then eventually, when we get to the bottom of the ladder, we figure... We find out God was there all along. And Satan fell, he landed in a church sound system. Uh, Philippians 2, 3. Look, look at this verse. Philippians 2, 3. This verse is one of the most challenging in the Bible, I think. Philippians 2, verse 3. It says, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each one of you regard another as more important than himself. Humility of mind... Regard, some versions say esteem. Esteem others as more important than yourself. Now that don't say you're more important than me. Don't say that I'm more important than you. We don't have to say that. But what does it say? Regard one another as more important than yourself. With lowliness of mind. It says regard one another as more important than yourselves. That's impossible, I think, to do without the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit unselfs us enough to live for God and to live for others. You see, there's there's only two lifestyles that can occupy God's shelf. We can either live for self or we can live for God and others. We live for self. We sound like a opera singer warming up. Me, 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 me. I, 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 I. That's all sin is. Big old I right in the middle of it. It's just the de-godding of God. I have a better plan. I have a better idea. I know better. I'm not willing to do that. So this, the other lifestyle as we can live for God or others. We can regard others as more important than ourselves. We can put Jesus on the rightful throne that he's on and we can can love God with all our heart, soul, and mind and we can love our neighbor as ourself. I think that's impossible to do without the work of the Holy Spirit. We'll always be bent towards self in some way, form, or fashion. So I'll also, without, regard, without living this verse, I don't think we'll ever live fully for God and for others, and we won't live out His command to make disciples. We'll, we'll be more bent towards self than what that takes. This Greek word, lowliness, It's the same word that we get, the English word tapestry or carpet. I don't mean that we're walked upon. Don't mean that we just lay down and and let others walk upon us. What it means is we're voluntarily willing to get low enough that we regard others more important than ourselves. That's what it means. So... If we look at this, this first characteristic of a Christ carrier is lowliness. You see, the gospel chariot's drawn by donkeys. Not by horses, not by camels, not by Arabian steeds. But it's drawn by people like us that are willing to get low enough and let Jesus mount our lives where we regard others as more important than ourselves. Here's the second characteristic, is liberty. Look look at verse 2. It says, Saying to them, go into the villages opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there, and a colt with her, untie them, and bring them to me. You can't possibly carry Jesus without freedom. If you look at this, Jesus didn't use this donkey until it was set free. It had to be loosed. It, if um, if we look at ourselves, we were also bound up before Jesus stepped in. I know I thought I was free. I'd often make up that. I'd sit there and weigh the the things. Well, if I if I follow Christ, I'm going to give this up and this up and this up and this up. Not to mention all those things were bad and bad and bad and bad. And I started weighing it out. But what Jesus really did was loosed me of myself to where I could get low and let him mount my life. That's that's what he's, you know, we're often, I mean, you. there's a long list of things we're bound by. I mean, sins of the flesh, habits, ugly dip, disposition, pride, arrogance, you name it. I mean, you can fill in the blank. We can keep going for a while. But we have to. Be set free, and here's the thing that bound that bound this donkey and binds us. It had outer bounds, things that were objective to it. Um, Luke nineteen thirty said it had never been ridden. If we look at these um, outer bounds, those things that are objective to us, it also had an inner binding or an inner beastliness that had it bound as well. Remember the story, I think you're supposed to read it in school, Um, Gulliver's Travels back when I was younger is about this English giant goes to this place where all these little people were. Well, they started binding him. This is Cliff Notes of it. (laughs) They started binding him with all these uh, little threads or strings until finally he was bound. All these little... People had this giant bound with enough strings. It's the same with us. We we don't really pay much attention to one thing or a next thing or the next thing. Well, when they add up and all these little things add up, all these bounds, we're bound and can't break free. When Jesus breaks us free, then we can take on the characteristics of a Christ carrier. If you look at, it's in John 11, the story of Lazarus, where he's a he's a great picture of our salvation. Jesus calls him, says, come forth, and he says, loose him. Well, if you look at Lazarus, he, he's the patron saint of all twice-born people that are still too earthbound to serve. Before he was loosed. What did he say to loose him? He was bound everywhere. He... he He couldn't work, he couldn't walk, he couldn't witness for all his bounds. He was wrapped up. Couldn't walk, couldn't work, couldn't talk. But when Jesus looses us, we can do those things. We can walk out our salvation before others. We We can do good works and we can speak up. We can speak up. So he was bound by his outer bounds, also his inner beastliness beastliness. Luke says that this donkey was untamed, in other words, he's doing what he wanted to do, and he's running amok. That sounds pretty familiar me before Christ, and I still try to go there sometimes, but I have an advocate between me and the Father. We're the same, you know we're driven by our instincts, we're driven by our own desires, we're driven by our own passions. And we have these inner bounds that bind us to where we can't fully carry Christ where he needs to go. Once, once this donkey is broken, tamed, trained, and meeked, then he can get low enough for Jesus to mount. Um, if Those Arabian horses, here, here's one cool thing about them. The way they're trained, They'll train them, and they'll they'll have them go without food and water for several days. And then they'll put food and water out, and the trainers have these whistles. Well, any time they blow the whistle, that Arabian steed's supposed to stop and come. Well, after about three or four days with no food or water, they put it out, and that horse, it now has a choice to make. It can run to the food and the water, and kick off its training or it can say, okay, I'm going to let someone else run the way this is supposed to go. So they let it go, blow the whistle. The ones that run to the water run to the food. They'll have to cycle them back through the process or just dismiss them all along. In other words, they're going to their own desires. And we so often do the same. If 1 Corinthians 4.10 said, Paul said that we were fools for Christ's sake. You know, when we're loosed and we're carrying Christ, that's what we'll look like to a lot of people. But he needs lowliness and liberty for Christ carriers. Last characteristic is labor. Look at verse 7. And he brought the donkey and the colt and laid on them their garments on which he sat. Remember, it was a colt or a foal. Can you imagine the weight of a grown man on this? Never been ridden before. Never been tamed. Full of inner beastliness. Just been set free from its outer bonds. It had a strain and a struggle of giving up its own right. Carrying Jesus was a great heaviness, but think of the rewards. Often it seems like a great heaviness to us as well, but think of the rewards. Think of the well-done, good, and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy master. Man. Um, Holy is what we're to be. Sweat is how we are to get there. That's what Tim Hansel wrote. Said preaching is 10% inspiration and 90% perspiration. Some days feel like that, but man, I like the retirement plan. There's two farmers. they standing on a street corner, and one of the one of the farmers had a young boy with him, and he asked the other um, farmer. He said, "How'd your uh, how'd your taters turn out?" That little boy, he popped up and he said, turn out. They didn't turn out. We dug them out. <laughs> Sometimes it's by sweat equity. Right. So faith without works is dead. Jesus needs carriers. And we're to have lowliness, we're to have liberty, and we're to labor in the cause. Last thing, we had spiritual concepts, spiritual characteristics. Let's look at spiritual consequences verse 10 and when he had entered Jerusalem all the city was stirred that word stirred is also major emphasis it's shouted off the page by the Holy Spirit saying who is this he's manifested if he can find carriers he's manifested if he could find carriers it says here that the city was stirred. How would we like that to happen here? What about, what, what would it be like for Jesus to become the talk of our town? To become the, the talk of Crossville? To where the city is stirred, to where people are saying, Who is this? Because he has carriers to get him out there. They kept on asking, Who is this? And all of them said, Jesus. He was manifested and the city was moved or stirred. The Greek word for, st- <clears throat> for stirred there is seio. We, we get our Greek word seismic, like a shaking. How you spell it? Um, S-E-I-O, seio. It means to shake or shook. It's from the root word for a quake. Not just an earthquake, but a shaking or a stirring, like a Christ quake. How would we like that? Where this whole city, this whole area is moved and stirred Amen. to where people are going, who is that? Amen. Who is that man? And everybody can say, that's Jesus. We pray, Dawson Trotman, founded The Navigator's, he said, we pray for trinkets trinkets, when we should be praying for continents. See, so God's very serious about all nations. Yes. He's very serious about the entire globe being, being impacted for his namesake. Amen. He just needs those that are get, willing to get low enough for him to mount their life. So Christ has manifested... Carrying Jesus always brings about movements. I mean, you look at Paul. These men that have turned the world upside down have come here also, Acts 17, 6. What about Martin Luther? He once mounted his life. We have the Reformation. What about John Wesley? What about Hudson Taylor, China Inland Mission? What about, I forget his first name, but the Booth Salvation Army. You see, when he mounts our lives, movements happen. His carrying produces movements. He needs carriers of him. So we have to ask ourselves, what about us? Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to get low enough for him to mount our life? So, Put 1 Corinthians 1, 18-31 in your notes, and you can read it later for time's sake. 1 Corinthians 1, 18-31. That tells us that we need to go out and make donkeys out of ourselves. So... I wanted to read this story. I couldn't remember it. I want to read it word for word. Just just hear this, and we'll end on this. In downtown St. Paul, Minnesota, early one cold Good Friday morning some years ago, the famous People's Church building caught fire and burned to the ground before dawn. The building had housed several art pieces, paintings, and sculpture, one was a full size duplicate, eight feet tall, of the Danish sculptor Thorvaldin. Thorvaldin's Thorvalden's great statue of the appealing Christ, based on Matthew eleven, twenty-eight through thirty. Come to me who are thirsty and heavy laden, I will give you rest, as my paraphrase. The statue is made of gleaming marble and was stationed just behind the pulpit in the church building. When the building burned, the statue fell through the floor into the basement. The next day, a number of church leaders met on the corner where the building had stood and went down into the basement of the burned-out building to see if they might rescue anything that had survived the fire. They found the large statue chipped at the base but unbroken, though covered with soot. Several of the men picked it up, carried it up onto the street corner, and cordoned it off so no one would damage it. Then they returned down into the ruins to complete their search. When they came out again, sometime later, a large number of people had gathered on the corner and many were jockeying for position to get a look at the appealing Christ. Please allow me to spiritualize a conclusion. You see, Jesus had been in that church building all the time, but he was imprisoned there and the people in the street had never seen him. It was only when the church had caught fire and the men of the church and women of the church became Christ carriers that the people outside began to see him for the very first time. The story might be regarded as a parable of the continuing history of the church of Jesus Christ. Will you humble yourself to let him mount, stand fast in the liberty, that he has made for us and to make him known. Only when the church catches fire and we carry Jesus outside the building did they see him. You see, Christ needs Christ carriers. He needs those of us, all of us, that will get low enough, let him mount our lives to where we carry him where he wants to go. We, uh, I got a couple of the guys that I disciple here this morning, a couple of their disciples. We all we always ask each other, "Are you willing to get low enough? Are you willing, you know, are you willing to get low enough?" And usually, in people's lives, I, I've been discipling young men for twelve years now. You're looking for the no, and that's what you want to start working with. In other words, at what point will I say no to God? Is any place too far away to go? Is anything too low to do in service to Him? Am I willing to be low enough to let Him mount my life to where I can carry Him wherever I go? And am I willing and bold and loving enough to let Him bust out all over the place? That's what we've got to ask ourselves. Donkey does not determine its own course it's cargo, its pace, its disciplines, its intake of food and water, it's all determined by those the one that's on them. In other words, it's set free. It's it's a picture of a doulos, a bond servant, one that's been set free, but attaches themselves to the master Amen. in his service. Amen. That's the kind of carriers that Christ needs. That's the kind of carriers that Christ needs. But I have to ask myself, am I willing? Am I willing to lay my wants, my needs aside and let him have the reins? If we do, then man, what a Christ quake this place could be. And every single place we are, is a springboard to the nations. If we're Christ carriers, geogra- a geographic location will not contain His ministry through us. It will not. He needs Christ carriers. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, I just pray that You uh, you just make us usable. Lord, You empty us of ourselves let us fill ourselves up with you let us let us seek to bring honor and glory to your name lord let us uh let us place you on the rightful in the rightful place in our lives on the throne of our lives lord you uh you and you alone are worthy lord you are um the alpha and the omega the great i am lord just uh let us, um, let us get low enough for you to mount. Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord. Uh, I thank you for just keeping the men, getting the power back on this morning safe. Lord, uh, you answer our prayers constantly in that. And um, Lord, uh, we're grateful. Thank you for those that are here. Lord, I pray that if uh, anybody's here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that they'll they'll turn to you. They'll unself themselves and um, turn to you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, you love us enough to die for us, to take our sin. And uh, you took our sin so that we might become your righteousness. Lord, what a what an amazing exchange. And Lord, uh, I just pray if anybody here that hasn't accepted you as Lord, that they'll repent and turn to you for their salvation. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to teach your word. I pray that it was pleasing to you. And Lord, um, thank you for all that you do in and through your word. It's in your name we pray, the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. Let's stand together and sing this song together. As he was preaching, I kept thinking, what, what's holding us back? What chains are we letting hold us back?